Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Camera Podcast, Pubs, Pints, People. I'm Ant and as ever I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Mr. Matt Bundy and Claire Phillips. Hello both of you. Hello. Hello. Nice formality. Mr. Matt Bundy to you, my friend. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, listen, it's often said that the pub is at the heart of the community. I certainly agree with that. And it plays an absolutely vital role for the locals, whether it's in a village or city centre. But sometimes pubs need their community as much as the community needs the pub. And that's what we're talking about this week. This episode is all about community pub ownership, which is becoming a hot topic as we all get ready to go back to the pub. At time of recording, we are days away from being allowed into a beer garden (laughs) (laughs) we're so close by the time this goes out i think it will be actually possible if it doesn't if it doesn't you can accept it as my verbal resignation from the podcast because i'm clearly cursing the road out of lockdown Um, we have been a jinx before haven't we where we've said looking forward to that fine and then we come back on the next episode sorry guys um so well i'll tell you this this idea of, of saving pubs in the community is not a new idea you know, for camera, of course, you know, in recent years, the campaign has had to focus on the awful, regrettable closure of so many pubs and clubs around the country. And now, obviously, COVID is posing a new threat, making that even worse. So I guess if you've ever thought about running a pub or club or saving one from closure or saving it from being turned into a block of flats mm. or whatever awful fate might await it when it should be a pub, mm. then you can actually find further resources and advice on the camera website. There's a special section and it's at camera.org.uk forward slash save your local. That's all one word, save your local. And of course, with community pub ownership, you're not on your own. You can be pretty sure that if you love your local pub, there'll be plenty of others who want to get involved too. And Camera has lots of info about the process of community pub ownership and operation, including a special step-by-step guide covering things like the slightly different situations in Scotland, Wales and England. And there are even more resources, including a few lovely success stories and a list of all the community pubs in the UK on the website. And that's camera.org.uk forward slash community pubs and again community pubs all one word now the government has recognized the role that community ownership can play in saving our pub heritage and has responded to campaigns and lobbying from the whole industry including camera they announced a new 150 million pound community ownership fund wonderful stuff now bids can be made from june when it opens to applications and the prospectus will be released then so the details so far are on the government website that's gov.uk on the community ownership fund page 
check out the show notes if you want to find it directly. Yeah, we should say that. Don't worry if you're not writing down all of these web addresses, <laughs> these URLs, yeah. for the, the tech guys call them, don't they? But, you know, all the links are uh, in the show notes, you know, uh, to all the websites. So you can go back and do that after. Keep listening first. And do, do you have many community pubs near near you guys? Because where I am, we've really got quite a lot. In fact, uh, there's, there's one that I've even bought a few shares in, and there's several more near me that are just in the process, I think, of starting out as um, groups getting together to try and buy their pubs as well. So it's, it's a pretty busy part of the world here on the Suffolk Essex border for community-owned pubs. I think there are some in the in the area, and I've got one saved up for only here for the beer a little bit later on. But I think it's certainly something that I I reckon we're going to see more of as we come out of this this lockdown. I think there are a lot of them that have been put under threat, and it would be lovely to see that community spirit continue and people uh, get in there. I mean, I certainly would be game for getting getting involved in the community uh, ownership of a pub because hey, why the devil not? Exactly, yeah. Same here. There's actually one in Berkhamsted, uh, my town, uh, which has been considered at the moment whether the community is going to do it. It's called um, the Crystal Palace, and it was going to be turned into flats, and now it's been saved from that, which is great because it's a lovely old pub right by the canal. And I think there's now just a decision about whether it's the community is going to do it or whether redevelopments by the people who own the pub at the moment. But I'd love it if it was a community pub and I'd get involved because I actually have always wanted to own part of a pub i'm learning this week about something that i want to do i only only own a very little bit probably like the 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 corner of the front door or something but um it's uh yeah it's really worthwhile getting involved in it and i think we even got a a shared dividend um a year or so ago which was about the price of a half pint i think but uh, i i immediately reinvested it obviously do you get your name on something at your end? Do you get like your own bar stool or tankard, Claire? Sadly, no. But um, we did all get our photograph taken outside the pub, all holding up the letters saying we saved our pub um, when it first first opened, um, and that got used in lots of camera magazines and things. So that's, that's so nice. a little bit of fame, I, yeah. I like I the asked... thought of, of owning a piece of architrave, you know, in a pub and say, well, this, this, this skirting board is mine. <laughs> I've probably got the handle of the door to the ladies or something. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I ask is because funny story. So a similar thing, like a community-owned pub is actually owned by comedians, uh, people in the comedy community. It's called the Bill Murray Pub, um, just in Angel. And, and I, I invested in that where you could buy your name on various parts of it. And I was really pleased because I got like my name on a chair. And then I did realise that somebody, um, I think it's a famous comedian, might be Alexi Sale or somebody of that ilk, wow. has, has got the urinals. <laughs> and he's got Uranus and and uh, and somebody else has got one just for the toilet. I think it says uh, this is this goes the same way as my career. And I just love that. I just think there's there's loads of like, really funny plaques that you've got to go around. I always re- regret mine. The mine's just my name. <laughs> So anyway, we're going to go and hear some real-life stories of local pubs being saved by the local communities. So in our first interview with Paul Ainsworth, who is the chairman of Camera's Pub Heritage Group, lovely to hear from him, and he's also the author of the National Pub Saving Guides uh, that we've mentioned uh, that are on the website. And Paul is in conversation here with Camera correspondent Susanna Mansfield. I got very interested in community-owned pubs a while ago because I was I was just astonished at how successful they are. We've now got uh, over 104 community-owned pubs, and not a single one has gone bust 
you know, which is amazing, mm. considering most of them were, you know, pubs that had been written off <laughs> uh, by their previous owners. So I, I think they're a great thing. So how how would you define a community-owned pub? And what's let's give a, have a little potted history mm-hmm. of what a community-owned pub is. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, the simple answer is it's a, it's a, a pub business that's owned and controlled by. Um, you know, a number of people within the community and, and for the benefit of that community. There are several models, different ways of operating a community pub. Some are what are called community benefit societies, which are essentially cooperatives. And then you've got private limited companies and there's community interest companies, which are social enterprises. And some Parish councils actually own the pubs on behalf of, of their community. And um, there's also different ways in which they, they can be then run. Uh, some communities do it all themselves. You know, the volunteers run the pub, which is uh, pretty pretty brave. Uh, the ma- and the majority feel, well, it's better left to the professionals. <laughs> so they, they either employ a manager or let the pub to a tenant and they run the business and the community keeps an eye on it and uh, everybody's happy. So when was the first community pub opened? Because it's quite a different model, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, and quite a recent phenomenon, really. I mean, the first one was the Red Lion in, in Preston. That's Preston, Hertfordshire, not Lancashire, which um, was bought by the, the villagers from Whitbread uh, back in 1983. And it's still going strong. But over the next uh, sort of 20, 30 years, pretty steady growth but um, it only really sort of exploded about, well, 10 years ago, we, we had the Localism Act, which introduced assets of community value, and that uh, mm. gave the community right to bid, and that uh, triggered quite a bit of interest. Uh, a couple of years later, the Plunkett Foundation launched their uh, cooperative pubs advice line. Then they got government funding to run this thing called More Than a Pub, which can offer financial support. Uh, at all stages of a pub rescue campaign. I think you know, just success generated success. You know, people heard that this is a good idea and it works. And um, you know, there the, are the, options the, if their pub's under threat. Indeed. And I suppose the other thing is it's sort of about that time that we, we saw a lot of pubs closing, being under threat. And, uh, and people realise, well, we don't just have to give in. There, there is a solution. And so, as I said, there's now 145 actually owned by the communities. Uh, there's another 22 which are run by the communities, but owned by somebody else. And we've got, at the moment, uh, less count, 44 active campaigns. So if you were in a, in a village or a town um, and your local pub is under threat of closure, being sold off or whatever, and you wanted to do something about this, how would you go about doing it? Well, I'm just, the first step is interest, you know. So are, are there enough people committed to keeping the pub going to make it worthwhile even thinking about a campaign? So you try and gather uh, the amount of interest there is out there. Mm-hmm. And if there's enough people who seem to be uh, up for it, form a, a group and do uh, the necessary information gathering about what's the, the sale position, have you got a willing seller, is the scope for negotiation, you need to do your sums, <laughs> you need to do feasibility studies, proper business plan, decide what operating model you're going to pursue, and, and most important of all, you've got to raise the money. So, um, But, you know, that uh, can be done through a combination of things, you know, people willing to buy shares, uh, there are grants available, there are 
loans at a very reasonable rate available from, from certain banks and other enterprises. There's a lot of support out there. Yeah. Yes, people yeah. like the Plunkett Foundation, Pub is a Hub, a camera, camera are always willing to help. Local branches will get involved. So there's plenty of ways and means of doing it. Can you give us some examples, actually? Because if, you, if you're going to set up a business or, um, in this case, if you're going to suggest that the community take over a business, it's mm-hmm. certainly I found setting up a business really helpful to go and have other examples to have a look at and how they're doing things. So mm. um, what shining examples have we got? It feels a bit invidious to choose <laughs> some more because, in my experience, they're all great. I, I suppose the, um, the general received opinion is that uh, community pubs are in villages, fairly affluent villages. And to be fair, uh, that is um, probably accounts for a lot of that. There are uh, some really good examples in towns and cities, for instance. I mean, mean, London itself, uh, one one of my favourites, which was an early community pub, the Ivy House in South London. The the immediate problem you've got in somewhere like London is that property is very expensive. So the purchase price for that pub was £810,000. So that's, you know, pretty tall order, really. But, you know, for a mix of loans and grant finance and 360 local people bought shares and it's now just a fantastic, vibrant um, community pub, very big on music and uh, it's absolutely thriving. And again, it's a pub that had been written off by the previous owners as a a no-hoper. And uh, in North London, uh, there's a place called the Antwerp Arms, which needed a lot of money raising. But you know, in, in that case, uh, think of the Social Investment Bank, and they got a big loan from them at very advantageous rates. Oh, another another urban one I must mention because it's an absolute favourite of mine is the Bell. It's in a, an area of Bath which is um, a bit alternative. You know, it, it had a very strong local following, but it didn't suit the model of the the pub company that owned it. But the, again, the, the community when it was under threat. People rallied round, bought shares. Over 500 customers and and, uh, fans got involved, including Robert Plant. Oh, sorry, they keep coming to me. Another one, which is is in Brighton. It's a pub called The Bevy. And this was the first community-owned estate pub. It was the only pub in a, a large and, I mean, as we said, fairly deprived housing estate on the edge of Brighton. And, um, you know, again, you know, it, it had been badly run for many years and it was, it, there were various problems associated with it, but local people didn't want to let it go. And it's now an absolutely superb community hub. And I believe there's about something like 70 different groups who use it. They, they've got a, a wheelchair accessible bus that goes around picking people up for events and, yeah. uh, yeah. They, they built a, a training kitchen and they offer um, community meals at lunchtime. You know, it's just just a fantastic community effort. Yeah. I think I was just reading about that one on the camera's website, actually. Talking of camera, what, what, what's camera doing to recognise them and support them? And uh, perhaps mm-hmm. you can tell us about the Pub Saving Award as well. Yeah, I suppose the Pub Saving Award is, is the most visible um, accolade that, uh, that we, we, we give them. I and mean, we've been running that for five years now. And it's there to acknowledge the, the efforts of people who've gone the extra mile to, to save a pub. So, we, so as it happens, each of the five winners has been a community-owned pub because, uh, you know, that, that is 
you know, the, the, the most dramatic way in which a, a pub can be rescued. We, we just awarded the 2020 winner to a pub called the, the Puzzle Hall Inn in uh, Sowerby Bridge in West Yorkshire, which um, was a, a really iconic pub, but it had got very run down. And um, in, in fact, it was semi-derelict. Uh, the, uh, there were enough people who committed to it to rally round and uh, pump a lot of money into it. Uh, uh, and uh, I haven't actually had the pleasure of going there yet. Every, everything I see about it uh, suggests that it's a, a, an absolute model of how, how to go about doing this. Brilliant. I'll look forward to going there because that's uh, not that far away from where we are as well. And talking of COVID, I just want to finish off by asking how mm. you think it's going to affect the community-owned pubs. Do you think it's going to make it easier or harder for them to weather other styles of pub management? I do think community-owned pubs are often in, in, in a better place than most to uh, to ride out the pandemic. I mean, first of all, m- most of them actually own the freehold so they don't have to worry about paying rents like yeah. pub tenants do. And uh, the community will invariably see the pub as, as theirs, and, and that generates loyalty and commitment that uh, you know, other models can only dream of, really. And so I think when the happy day arrives that pubs do reopen, I'm sure the appetite for pub going will return as strongly as ever, particularly for pubs like these. I really hope so. Do, do you reckon we're going to end up with a flush of new ones, new community-owned pubs? Yes. I can see yeah, quite a yeah. few uh, pub co's starting to get rid of a few poorer players again. Out of- 2019 actually saw the most new openings. Mm. You know, so so there, has, there has been a, a spurt recently. And uh, it is a sad fact that many pub businesses are bound to go under uh, as a result of, of COVID. So, as you said, there probably will be quite a, a lot of pubs coming onto the market this year. But but again, as I said, there's nothing to suggest that uh, the British public have fallen out of love with no, pub going. So I think new operators will come along, but you know, there'll definitely be opportunities for community groups to, to step in and, uh, yeah, perhaps pick up uh, pick up some bargains. Yeah, And as far as I'm concerned, the more community-owned pubs, the better. I mean, it's a, it's a model that that works and results in well-run, community-focused pubs. So what's not to like about that? It's absolutely incredible how many community pubs there are in this country, over 100 already, and it was interesting that none of them have gone bust, which really shows that the people know what will work in their local area. Yeah, exactly, whereas the previous owners had written them off as an unviable business. I think it just goes to show that, you know, the community really does know best. And Camera has a really good viability test, which you can find on the website, and there's a link to that in the show notes, as Matt mentioned earlier, which asks all the right questions to work out if it could be a success and get the support of the locals. Yeah, now Paul mentioned that there are 22 pubs that are actually run by the community themselves, you know, as opposed to getting in a landlord to run it for them. And either way, you know, whichever option you go for, keeping the pub going, it's it's going to be great for employment in the local area as well as the general vibrancy of the community. And there are currently 44 campaigns to save a local pub up and running right now that are being supported by camera. 
And that number, of course, could well rise with the new government scheme in June as well. And this community bus idea in Brighton that Paul mentioned, it's such a great idea. It must make the pub a lot more accessible to people out and around the wider community who perhaps couldn't otherwise get there. Yeah, and I also like that he made the point that if the community buys the freehold, which they do in most cases, then there's no rent to pay. And that must, of course, really help during the lockdown. So I think it's one less thing for them to think and worry about going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having survived through the pandemic, as we hope most, if not all of them, will have done, it's a great focus for getting everyone back together afterwards. I mean, you can imagine, can't you, the parties being planned, the cast orders, you know, the little (laughs) cheese on cocktail sticks, (laughs) everything being dusted off and ready. Maybe some bunting that's being run up on some sewing machine. I can see it now. I'm transported away. I want to be a community pub guy. Well, on top on the topic of the celebrations, back down the pub, it's time for We're Only Here for the Beer. And one of the pubs on the list that was featured in the BBC series last year, Saving Britain's Pubs with Tom Kerridge, which we talked about, of course, yeah. at the time, uh, that was the Black Bull Hotel um, at Dartmoor near Loch Lomond. And like all the pubs on the list, it took a lot of hard work and dedication from people in the community. And I remember seeing in that programme how hard that they worked to keep that pub going. I think it was episode two and you can still catch it actually on on iplayer until november this year um so i guess we should pick really for our only here for the beer some community pubs i'm i'm not going to pick the one that i've got shares in but i will give it a quick mention it's the case is altered at bentley but that's not going to be my pick so shall i start or yeah, do you guys want yeah hopefully. i'll I'm choosing another community-owned pub, and this is at Great Bromley in North Essex. It's called The Cross Inn, usually known locally as the Bromley Cross. It was apparently formerly the home of a British heavyweight boxing champion called Frank Goddard, who was around, I think, in around the 1920s or so, and when he gave up boxing, he ran the pub, I believe. Anyway, it's a remote country inn, and I can certainly vouch for its remoteness. I've been there a number of times, and every time I've gone a different way, and I've gone home a different way, and sometimes it took me five minutes to get there, and sometimes it took best part of an hour, and I never (laughs) quite knew why, but it's an absolute gem. It's well worth a visit, even if you do get lost on the way there, and it was saved by the community in 2016 after much campaigning, fundraising, a share offer, and since reopening, they've really done a lot of work there. They've um, done up the cellar, the kitchen. Um, they've also done the whole of the interior. They've extended the toilets. They've got more wheelchair accessibility. And it also hosts a post office, obviously not at the moment because it's been shut for lockdown, but they have a post office, a coffee shop and a community library as well at, at the pub and some great music nights. Um, a couple of mates of mine play in a band called Tea Ladies. They're, they're not ladies and they don't drink tea, but... <laughs> <laughs> but they've done some great gigs at, at the Bromley Cross and it's a real community pub and um, and, and very much worth visiting when, when they're... I think they're reopening on the 30th of April. Claire, that sounds absolutely wonderful. For me this week, I was actually quite drawn to uh, the Red Lions featured with it being the first community-owned pub in Britain. And what's great about it is it's, it's down the road from me. It's in Hertfordshire in Preston. So I think I've probably driven past it a few times. So I think I shall definitely be having a little mosey on down there. And it says from the right up here that it offers a variety of beers from small breweries. It's got all of the good food. Um, it uses locally sourced ingredients and, of course, hosts all of the fundraising and charity events that, that any good village and community-owned pub would host. So one that I've not been to but really like the sound of, and that's going to be my pick for this week. Looking forward to it. What about you, Matt? 
Well, it's me up with me Cumbrian massive again, going, <laughs> go, going back to the edge of the lake. So um, the Punch Bowl Inn in Great Broughton, uh, which is, I used to play tennis and cricket bowl there. So I used to do some bowling. I used to used to go to the bowl inn. That was the way. <laughs> uh, and it says here in its entry in the Good Beer Guide, it says, although the opening hours are limited, which is actually true. I remember it's, it is genuinely based on when members of the community are around to run it. So that's some weird opening hours, but he said it's more than compensated for by the quality and variation of the ales. And it's served 135 different beers in the past year alone. Whoa. Wow. So that's, I feel like I need to go back there and try that again. That's <laughs> definitely one to visit. And of course, all these pubs we're mentioning, um, we're only here for the beer. They're in the Good Beer Guide 2021, which, of course, you can buy from, from camera. Just a couple of other useful links that are worth having a look at here. Now, this really is a pen and paper episode, isn't it? We will put it all in the show notes as well. But um, the Plunkett Foundation, this is all about helping rural communities. It's plunkett.co.uk. They've got resources to help setting up and running a community pub. So if you're listening thinking about giving this a go or already very much part of a community ownership scheme, then do give it a check out. Another one, Pub is the Hub. This aims to make the pub the centre of the community, pubisthehub.org.uk. And there was a lovely picture of Prince Charles smiling back at me when I went on there the other day. I think that was one of his initiatives originally, or he was very involved with the, the setup of that, as I recall. Mm. Um, I remember seeing a picture of him in the papers, I think, sort of in a pub pulling a pint or something. So, um, so yeah, he's, he was very involved with, uh, with Pub is the Hub. Now, we have to mention again something that um, Paul mentioned, actually. The Pub Saving Award just won by the Puzzle Hall in Salby Bridge in West Yorkshire. There's a complete list on the camera website if you want to find out where your nearest community pub is. Not just people who have won the awards, there's all of them on there. And there's now over 100 around the country, and hopefully there'll be one not too far away from you. And it's time now for our second interview, where we're off to Tolerton in Nottingham to meet Matt Garrard of the Tolerton Flying Club and find out how they saved their local pub which is called the Air Hostess. Well, John Ram went along to have a chat for us and he got some very interesting answers from Matt Garrard. The Tolleton Community Trust is, uh, and particularly the, the, the Tolleton Flying Club, part of the trust, is a community benefit society that is uh, just over one year old uh, and that uh, villagers in Tolleton set up in order to purchase, transform and save um, our uh, village pub, the Air Hostess. Uh, and you'll you'll immediately notice the the connection in in the names there. Yeah. Uh, we're we're working on a, on a on a flying um, theme uh, based on I think we are the the only air hostess pub in the country, uh, and so we've decided to uh, to keep true to that that name. And uh, a lot of the work we've done uh, links back to it. In uh, in 2019, Everard's Brewery, that were the current owners of the pub, the only pub in, in our village, uh, decided that it wasn't going to work for them going forwards, and, and so they uh, decided to, to sell the pub. And uh, our parish council had uh, registered it as, a, as an asset of community value. I think uh, Camera had, had tried that. Uh, a few years before and uh, because it wasn't the uh, the local branch at the time I think that had been rejected so our, our parish council made a, a similar application um, so having that status in place when Everards were looking to uh, to sell the pub the first thing they did was, was get in touch with the local parish council um, to talk through what, what the options might be and I think it was the, the first time that Everards had had to uh, sell a pub that was a, an asset of community value 
and they were really keen to, to work with us to see whether there was a, an option for the community to, to take that on and, and to keep it as a as a pub. And so the, the the flying club was was born out of that process. Really, we had a a public meeting in, in May of 2019, sort of largest gathering of, of residents for a number of, of years, uh, with a, an overwhelming mandate that uh, we should do something to try and purchase the pub and um, bring it back to life. Really. So was the, was the Flying Club just a name because because of the pub, or did it go the other way around? There's uh, a history linked to um, aviation within the village. So we have a, a small airport on the on the outskirts of the village. It was uh, an oh. RAF base at, at one point, and we had uh, a parachute regiment, also uh, an American parachute regiment based um, within Tolleson Hall uh, during the, the, the war. So there's, there's a, a bit of a, of a sort of backstory there within the village's history. And at, at one point there was a, a drinking club known as the, the Flying Club. So we uh, kind of pinched the name from, uh, from a little bit of the village's history. You got people together, which is great. Uh, it seems like you have a, a pretty impressive sort of village spirits. I've been looking a bit at the website and you've got the, the, the fair and the, um, the plough and such like. But to mobilise people and get that kind of money is, is quite an impressive thing. Why do you think that happened? I think it's it's really interesting that uh, the number of people that came together to, to support this project. Sometimes you could have, have gone in the pub in the past on a, on a Friday night and you might be the only person in there. So it's incredible to see that from a, a base of not many people using the pub that actually there was this underlying interest in, in the village in making a, a success of it. So from having uh, public meetings with 150 people turning up, we've got to the stage where we've got 400 shareholders who've invested in the pub and are now part of that that community within the flying club who committed financially to seeing a successful uh, pub running w- within the village yeah. and I think one of the things that used to be said about the village pre-pandemic was that whilst we had a number of different community activities and, and things going on that it could sometimes look and feel a bit like what might be described as a dormitory village that people were, were kind of sleeping here but they were going off to commuting to other places for work mm-hmm. and you didn't see quite so many people within the village and the pub is, is sat within the sort of centre of the village and part of this project has been very much to try and pull the, the pub is in, into being the heart of the, the community. Um, and it's been incredible to see that reaction from residents. So um, whilst we've been transforming the, the interior and the, and the exterior of, of the pub, it was during lockdown so people were able to, to go out for their, their daily exercise uh, and sort of linger on the outskirts of the village and of the pub and take note of, of what progress was being being made and you could see people sort of pointing at different bits and hear them talking about what what they thought was going where and, and so the interest is kind of built through that period and then obviously when we were able to to open everyone very keen to see what was different and to, to experience it almost like there was some pent-up frustration that it was a bit of a release for people but it has then brought people together, just not just through the project, but since it was open uh, during the, the current lockdown, we've got uh, different takeaways and things mm. going on. Mm. And, um, and we've got um, a great management team in place who are really um, actively trying to work with the community. It's ticking all of the boxes that we wanted to achieve at the moment. 
how did you get involved in your personal role as chair or whatever? And, and what have you been doing as part of the project yourself? For my sins, I'm the chairman of the parish council here in Tolleton as, as well. And so um, when we kicked off the, the, the project, I naturally moved into the, the role of, of chairman of the um, of the community business as, as well uh, to, to kick everything off, really. And um, what we want to, to really ultimately achieve is a, is a sustainable pub that's at, at the heart of our community. And obviously, the last year has been um, slightly unusual, to say the least. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so um, it, it's not quite job done yet. So we're looking to, to make sure that actually what we have um, delivered is something that will, will work going forward. And if not, then we'll, we'll look to, to tweak it and, and to change it. Um, throughout the 18 months of the of the, the project, I've been working with with Everard's Brewery to negotiate the actual purchase. Um, got to say that they were really uh, really good to work with, really constructive, and um, you know, just wanting us to, to succeed with this as, as well. So that went really well. Involved with the selection of a, of a tenant to to run the pub for us, so meeting different uh, potential. Uh, applicants, understanding the businesses that they run now, uh, how they could work with us to achieve the objectives that, that we have. Um, that was really enlightening process to, to be involved with. Through to, to getting my hands dirty, there's a, a really good photo of me jumping up and down on turf to uh, to get it established in the rain <laughs> and, and th- things like that. So, um, yeah, but basically whatever's needed doing, people have, have, have mucked in and uh, I'm, I'm the same. Very good. And, and, and I must admit, I have to congratulate you for the website. Um, I don't know whether you were part of that, but I, I think it's really excellent and it, it's very useful. It tells you about the, the progress that's been made. And certainly for me as a blind person, the text is great, but I can tell you've got photos there as well to sort of chart the progress of what you've done. So would you recommend community ownership to other other people, other pubs? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we uh, we invited our, our local MP Ruth Edwards to, to come join us um, when we were um, you know, in that brief period where we were able to trade to to talk through the uh, the, the benefits of, of that business model. So um, I suppose what what you get with a, of a community ownership is, is a free house. There, there are no no pressures, no mm. um, no burdens on on the operation of, of the business. You just got you know, the, the sort of financing of whatever you've committed into the, the business to, to start with. So in, mm. in our case, our, our funding model was a, a mixture of funding from the, the parish council, from uh, shareholders and uh, the, uh, the more than a pub scheme uh, where we got a sort of grant and, and loan combination. So we set our tenants a, a sort of modest rent that helps us pay off those costs mm-hmm. and then they're free to, to make a success of the business and, and a profit. We're not looking to to sell them beer or to, uh, to take our slice off the top. If they do really well, then uh, there's an element of, of profit that would come back into the community business and we can use that to, to fund other community events and good causes. They have that freedom to, to make the the business thrive and, and we're not kind they haven't got one hand tied behind their back like other um, other models might uh, might create for them so you're not running the pub by committee as it were absolutely not none of us are, are experts in in running a pub everyone has their, their own ideas of, of what they want to to achieve but mm. yeah I'm, I'm not a, a publican i think that's a very uh, very specialist role and we quickly took the decision that we didn't want to run it by committee we wanted to get get someone in who knew what they were doing and give them the, the freedom to run it in their own way um we've got um three sort of overall objectives we want it to be uh, best for beer best for families and best for grub our, our kind of bfg message 
and um, and, and it's you know it's up to them to, to run it in line with that. So we you know, we expect to have good quality, regularly changing beer there. You know, I yeah. want to be excited by going in. Um, I, I want to be able to take my family in there and for them to be able to, to relax and for it to be welcoming for them. At the same time, I might want to just pop in for a drink and, and you know, have a quiet pint. Uh, yeah. And ultimately, um, you know, to want to be able to have a, a good, tasty, traditional bar meal. Uh, nothing too fancy or pretentious. I think um, one of our committee described it as you, know, you shouldn't have to uh, to go Google what the ingredients are on, <laughs> on a dish. You should uh, you know, understand it straight away. Yeah. And that's kind of stuck with me. Yeah, that, that's what we've asked them to achieve, you know, to provide good welcoming service as, as well and um, the shareholders and, and the, the management committee we, we provide them with feedback on that if there's something that's uh, going awry we'll, we'll happily tell them we've got a really good relationship with them but it's it's up to them they're, they're the publicans they run pubs and know what they're doing so sure. um, why would we try to, uh, to to do that for them well absolutely um, and it's interesting with the ACV idea uh, I've heard that talked about quite a bit in in a very sort of combative way you sound like you had a really good experience with the brewery yeah, I mean, the having the, the the asset of community value on on the pub was obviously our our key to the door. Really, that that kicked everything off and, and gave us the opportunity to to be um, in, involved with with the brewery when they they looked to uh, to put it on the market. So they, they notified us, and it, it didn't go onto the open market. We started having a, a conversation, and they were they were really good to work with. We've been in touch with them since they've had uh, a few other pubs where they've been looking to do something similar and we've been able to share our experience with those communities that are going for a similar process oh, right. but yeah certainly we would strongly recommend that if you've, if you've got a, a pub that you think might be at risk get it registered as, a, as an asset of community value the experience may vary from owner to owner but certainly Everard's Brewery were, were really good to work with and if you get it registered then they, they have to take that into account when they're considering disposing of the place yeah that's correct yeah um there, there are limits to it they don't ha- actually have to sell you it no. but they they have to have that conversation with you and you get a, a sort of monitorium where they can't actively sell it to anyone else so it gives you the opportunity to go and, and explore the different business models and funding opportunities that are out there for anyone that was looking to to go down that that route then obviously uh, you know camera is a is a great source of, of, of expertise but uh, the plunkett foundation have provided us with a, a lot of support which is been invaluable from having a, an advisor telling us about the experience of other pubs through to being able to help us unlock funding all of that kind of guidance has just really helped us um so what's one piece of advice you might pass on to others starting this journey uh, i think the, the the first thing that we would we would say to people is try and find out what what it is that that people would want that pub to be in, in our case we decided to go for a high ambition model where we decided that in order to to achieve what our residents were telling us we kind of added 50 percent plus to the internal floor space and we gutted the kitchen so we put an awful lot into the project but you don't need to do that if you're going to try and save your pub you need to understand what it is that's uh, that's going to help you achieve that you talked about sustainability a little earlier so I know it's a difficult question, but how do you see the future of the pub now? Yeah, so so far on a, on a financial level, um, we're, we're okay. We've um, made the most of the grants and the, the loans that have, have been available, and we've kept afloat. We've been doing some trading with takeaway services and, and things like that. I think in, in our village, there's just a real enthusiasm for, for the pub being 
back open again and people are, you know, are, yeah, April the 12th, I think it is, I think the beer garden is going to be full. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, come rain or shine, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it won't be that. the only one, I don't think. Uh, it'll be a sight, won't it? I think there is that eagerness to, to get back into the, the pub, and I think we are in a in a lucky position where we should be able to open and, and trade without being in a in, in a rut to, to start with. Mm. Um, obviously, um, there are going to be some restrictions in, in place that's going to limit what we we can do and, and how successful we might be. Um, um, well, thanks very much, Matt, for chatting to us, and I very much hope your pub does stay open, does continue to serve the community and serves brilliant ales so thanks very much thank you john it's been a pleasure it's early days for them but it's all happened in the last year it does sound as if they've got off to a flying start with the air hostess here we Yay. go he's back <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously those historic links with the old airfield are so good to preserve i do wonder if they've dug up some old photos to put on the wall well that's just the kind of thing you can ask the community someone's bound to have an old box or scrapbook aren't they bring it into the pub get it framed up onto the wall for everyone to see do you reckon as it's called the air hostess, it's nicknamed the trolley dolly? Oy, yeah. I, might be, I, might, might I like be. that. Don't touch the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> get in for the chicken first or else it'll be gone by the time they get to the back. There we are. That is, I mean, if I was doing it, I'd do a total job. I'd do it like a theme pub with like a kind of fuselage bit on the wall and like an old pictures. I'd make it way too corny. I'm sure I'd put they, all don't. of the seats really close to the one in front of <laughs> <laughs> I just have a small train which you can have your drink. No one had ever come to that pub ever, but there we are. <laughs> this is why our our camera podcast community pub would be not very terrible. <laughs> it's just a series of, of of quite poorly thought out puns from me, and then some more reasonable things from you two. <laughs> And, uh, well, I tell you what, it shows actually in that interview how useful that ACV, that's Asset of Community Value for all our acronym fans out there, it's how useful that ACV regulation is to give the community the, the right to make a bid for the pub. Because it means that at least those in the community who are interested are notified early in the process so they have a chance to get involved and raise the money. And as Paul Ainsworth said in the first interview, there's still a lot to get organised you know, in terms of the money and planning. It's a huge task, isn't it? But at least the pub can't get sold because of that regulation without anyone knowing about it until it's too late. Yeah. And it does seem that Everard seemed to deal with it very sympathetically, although it didn't fit into their business plan. I got the feeling from the interview they were quite pleased with the outcome and no one likes to see pubs closing. So if someone else can make a go of it, then everyone's happy and Everard's makes some great beer and maybe they still have it in the air hostess. But being owned by the community, it means they're not tied to getting their beers and ciders from just one supplier. So that obviously means a lot more choice for the customers. Yeah, and I think they had a great role, Darlish abbreviation, BFG, Beer Families Grub, and that must go down well with the kids as well. They probably think the bar staff are big, friendly giants. Matt admitted not knowing the first thing about running a pub, although it sounds like he's learned a lot through the process of setting it up. That's Matt in the interview, not ah, Matt Bundy here. (laughs) Yeah, although I don't know anything either. (laughs) (laughs) But but it must depend very much on the type of community being served, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, it was quite good timing coinciding with the lockdown. So they got loads of people involved. You know, be 400 shareholders. That means plenty of people having, you know, a direct interest in its success. And Matt said that when everyone was just commuting to and from work, you know, you might be the only, the only person in the pub on a Friday night, but with everyone staying more local, there are actually lots more people around to give it a buzz when they were allowed to open last year. So. 
That's right. He said that they just tried to make it financially secure for the community, which is the whole point. Mm. The landlord can run it as a business and make money and the community gets to have a nice pub and everyone's a winner. Yeah, he also mentioned the More Than a Pub scheme, which is organised by the Plunkett Foundation we mentioned earlier. And again, they can tell you all about the grants and loans that are available to help make it work. There's a load of resources here. I need to write all this down. You know, this, yeah. this is what I need to do. Right, now it's time for us to dive into the archive. <laughs> Jingle still pending. And this week, you know, we're looking at an article in What's Brewing from 1978. A lot, lot happened in 78, didn't it? We it's always seem still... to mention 1978. <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost as if only that part of the archive was saved from, uh, from <laughs> the office before <laughs> it was locked up. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Just, quick, get, grab what you can. I've got 78, bring it. It's Come on! That's all we need. Yeah, seventy nine was a great. Don't be leave seventy nine. It's fine. <laughs> there we are. So, um, well, apparently, then uh, in this particular article, the camera was thinking about taking on and saving pubs itself, and they'd actually formed an offshoot company called Camera Investments and took over running five pubs. And the article's kind of mentioning that they had a bit of a cash crisis in the past, but they were over that and they were now looking to buy new pubs. Mm. And one of the ones they were looking at at that time was the Fleece Inn in Worcestershire, which had been left to the National Trust. Well, it's hard to find out what happened to that pub, but the Fleece is still going strong. It's still owned by the National Trust. And in fact, it was Camera's Worcestershire Pub of the Year in 2018 and 2020. The other five pubs, though, um, I did have a look at, uh, at them and, and to see what's happened to them Um couple are still going, um, but don't serve real ale. Um, one permanently closed around 15 years ago. That was the Old Fox in Bristol. Um, another one, the Nags Head in Hampstead, that's closed and is now an estate agent. But the Salisbury Arms in Cambridge is still going. It's reopening in May. And apparently it's still known by some locally as the Camera Pub, even though obviously... Camera doesn't own any pubs anymore, but um, those with, with longer memories in the Cambridge area still call it the Camera Pub. Oh, well, that's wonderful stuff. And yes, Camera doesn't run pubs anymore, but at the AGM in Aberdeen back in 1989, a small group of activists decided that they wanted to invest in the industry that they cared about in such a way that would help to reinforce their ideals and beliefs. Uh, yes, now, there is still a Camera Members Investment Club, but it's completely separate from Camera, and no campaign funds are involved, but all investments are owned completely by the club's 3,000-plus members uh, and nobody else. You can find out more about that at cmic.uk.com. I did have a little look on there, and I'm, I'm genuinely interested. It seems like they've got millions of pounds. They've got loads of different pubs going across the country. It looks like a, a, a great scheme for getting involved. So they, they might have millions of pounds plus my 10p at the end of the week. So <laughs> philanthropy is still philanthropy. I'm still there. <laughs> there we are. Right then, it is time, everybody, for Last Orders. So I want to hear about what you've been drinking recently. Come on, tell me. Make me jealous. Malt, barley, hops and yeast. And water, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> Interesting. If only we could make something with... Uh, yes. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, when I put the oil in a pot, or rather I didn't put it in a pot, but Robinson's Brewery put it into a bottle for me, and that was Old Tom. That's been my drink of the week this week. And I think I actually... I don't know where I saw it advertised recently. It must have been actually as part of the Camera Good Beer Box, which we've mentioned before and we'll certainly mention to you in future episodes. But uh, I don't know if you've ever, ever had Old Tom, but it's wonderful. It's a real rich, multi-warming drink. Uh, it's got this real distinctive port wine kind of vibe going on. 
nice and bitter. Uh, really, really great um, drink for me. And I remember when we went up to Robinson's Brewery for my brother-in-law's stag do. I mean, where else do you want to do a stag do in Manchester? Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I remember, I remember having it there as well, and it's just delicious stuff. So that's my beer of the week, Old Tom Robinson's Brewery. Well, I'm about to order from our local pub who are doing deliveries at the moment, although I think next week we'll be able to go and collect again from, from the pub gate. They're not quite opening just yet. Uh, this is a beer that I mentioned in our, the very first podcast that I took part in, I think. Um, it's from Ampersand Brewery. It's called Co-Cow. And although I haven't quite been drinking it as we're recording this, by the time listeners can hear it, I will have been drinking it. In fact, I probably will have finished the beer that I've, I'm ordering from the, the pub. Um, it's, I'm still on the, the dark sort of stouts and porters because it's still a bit chilly around here. And this is a lovely chocolatey stout. Um, it's called Cocow. It's from a little brewery on the Norfolk and Suffolk border called Ampersand. And I absolutely love this beer. As soon as I saw that uh, the pub had some for delivery again this week, I thought, right, Get my order in really quickly. Well, I've been uh, keeping the cider end up, uh, following on from last week's podcast about it. Uh, still going through my Scrattings mystery box, uh, which has been a, a great servant to me, a real great selection of medium sweet ciders, because I do like the sweeter ones. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually trying one of this called Old Fields Worcestershire Cider. It's medium sweet, uh, only, only 4.8, but absolutely delicious. Smooth as silk. And a real treat through this weird week we've had of hailstorm, snow, and blazing sun. We really I don't care what had the weather. The seasons, haven't we? This week. Yeah. That's the thing. The cider, cider, though, it's not. It's for any weather. I always say <laughs> that. Not just for summer for me. Um, so it's an all-season cider. Wonderful. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. Actually, that's all we've got time for. I'm afraid. It's been lovely to chat to you all as always. We'll be back in two weeks' time as usual with an episode about real ale bars in other parts of the world. Oh, I like We're this. going globe trotting. Mm. Yeah. You know, from the comfort of our own yeah. sofa. Which is fun. the only way you can do globe trotting at the moment, anyway. It is. <laughs> so. That is that is true. We'll take people on a journey. It's going to include an interview all the way from Argentina, Ooh. which I'm sure would be pretty Ooh. fascinating. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Until then, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Pubs Finds People and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I say by which time pub gardens will be open and we can be together looking at each other across the tables in the pub garden from then. So there we are. See you later. Bye. 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 How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... 
Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now. <laughs> 